Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Well, hey, friends. Welcome to episode three of the Abide podcast. I am here again with Christopher Cummings. This Woo! is this is your last podcast for this season. I know. You're probably going to miss me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would go as far as to say that. <laughs> but no, it, it has been fun being able to discuss, well, now the first three chapters of the Bible with I know. you. <laughs> I know. We'll get a little bit more in this one, talking yeah. through the rest of the first book. <laughs> in about mm, sixty weeks, we'll be or yeah, we'll be done with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I just kidding. It'll be a lot faster after this. Yeah, There's a lot that happens at the beginning. A lot, yeah, that sets up the rest of the Bible, really. So yeah. you can't really understand the Bible without understanding Genesis, in, right. in my opinion. Yep. Um. So. The story of the Bible is what we're talking about in this entire season. And um, what we saw last week was we saw God's glory in creation, how um, the mere fact that God creates in the first place proves that he is a loving God. Um, He creates to share his love and his glory with his people. He creates to in order to show the Trinitarian love that Mm -hmm. he exists in um, and that it was all good. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything that he created was good, um, and it was expressing his glory throughout all of creation so perfectly and so beautifully, Um, and that's where we ended. We ended um, with there being no shame, it all being good. Everything's good. Wow, what a life. Yeah, end of the Bible. (laughs) Can you imagine living in a sin-free place? (laughs) We cannot wait for that day. I know. And then comes chapter three. Yep. Which is a fun chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't take very long. Yeah. So I- in the meta narrative, so the story of the Bible, um, four main parts, right? Creation, which mm-hmm. we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. The fall, which we're talking about today, right. happens in the first three chapters. And then you have the rest of the Old Testament. And then you have mm-hmm. Jesus, which we, we call redemption. Mm-hmm. Right? He brings redemption to humanity. And then we have new creation, which is shown in Revelation, um, uh, very far away from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hopefully, n- hopefully not, not too, too far. far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to jump right in and we're going to spend some time talking about the fall of humanity um, and what God does about it, yeah. which I think is really interesting and it's probably not what i would have done nope. <laughs> if i were god no nope, definitely not but it's a good thing i'm not god i would have hold a, <laughs> i would i would definitely hold a grudge <laughs> <laughs> yeah <But>. one or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so i guess let's just start by well, just yeah frame it up for us yeah just kind of give you the setting yeah. of what's going on yeah. so we're in the garden. We're we with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. We're wow. chilling. Every life we're is chilling. Great. Everything's good. Um, and if we kind of look back in Genesis 2, there there's a tree in the middle of the garden mm-hmm. that God says, do not eat from this. Because mm-hmm. um, if you eat from this, you will die. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, important thing. Mm-hmm. There's two there's trees. There's two trees, yes, in the middle actually. Of the garden. There's the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is if you eat of it, you'll die. And the tree of life. Yes. They're both in the middle of the garden, mm-hmm. which means that you can see them. Both. Both. Together. Together. Yes. They're, when you're at the tree of life or at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you can see the other tree. It's not like it's hidden farther yeah. away. Um, they're yeah. both in the middle it's of the garden. It's there. Yeah. Right. And so the tree of knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. is the one that God says, if you eat of this, you will die. Right. Um, dum, dum, dum. No, no, no. And then we get 
to verse 1 of chapter 3, and it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast. Yeah, so you already know. (laughs) With that language, oh my gosh. Something bad's about to happen. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. I feel like we should play that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he, the serpent, which is Satan, Uh um, he has a conversation with Eve. And, and I think it's interesting because he, tw- he begins to twist things. Mm-hmm. He twists God's words and Eve herself actually twists God's words mm-hmm. as well. Um, and he, he begins to ask the woman, you know, if, did God really tell you, you can't eat of this tree and, um, that, that you'll die if you'll eat it. And she said, well, y- yeah, I mean, he said that if we, if we, t- if we even touch it, we'll die, which is not true. That's actually not true. God never said that. Um, and he begins to twist things and tempt her into disobeying God. And so what is Eve faced with right here? Eve is faced with a decision. She can either choose to trust what God has told her and the promises of who God is, or she can choose to reject God Mm -hmm. and believe in something else. Mm -hmm. And what does she do? (laughs) She chooses to not eat from the tree. Wow. And instead go to the tree of life because... She's not she said, done. get out of here, Satan. She said, not today, Satan. <laughs> not today. And moved on. Wow. Nope. Man, I wish. The complete opposite happens. So she eats from the tree. Yeah. Takes the fruit. Sees that it's good. Mm-hmm. So something that's not good is good. Is now good in her eyes. Right. Um, takes that. Eats of it for herself. Um, and then immediately hands it to her husband. Mm-hmm. And he eats. Who is with Who's her. with her? He's right there. Right there. It's not like she had to go find him. Could have stopped. Could have stopped her. Right. Could have said, well, let me think about this for a second. But Maybe we shouldn't do this. Hmm. Yep. But didn't. Just kind of played along. Played along. Yep. Um, and then that's the moment when sin and death enter into the world. Yep. They both realize that they're naked. Yep. Shame rushes on each of them. All of the shame. And they hide. And they hide. Yeah. And... I think it's interesting because what happens next, mm-hmm. I think, displays God's love mm-hmm. in such a beautiful way. 100%. His response to the single most devastating moment in human history right. is, is love. Right. He, what, I mean, what does he do? He asks them, where are you? Yeah. He asks them. He walks with them. He walks with them. Yeah. He, he, he comes down from heaven. Yeah, he comes to that. He meets them yeah. in their mess. Yeah. Well, we don't know how much God walks with his people right. before this moment. Like, I don't just got to take a daily stroll with yeah. Adam and Eve. We don't know. But we know that he comes. He, we know that in God knows moment. what happened and he, and he comes down. And he comes and he comes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he gives them the opportunity to tell them to confess, to, 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 confess, to yeah, tell him tell the truth. what happened, and, and what do they start doing? They start playing the blame game, right? Right? Each other. Yeah, they blame each other. They blame Satan. Um, and so God, he his response to this um, is quite profound. I think um, he addresses Satan first before he even addresses Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, he addresses Satan. And in his address to Satan, um, he gives us the very first promise of redemption, mm-hmm. of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Chris, talk us through what is this promise mm-hmm. um, and, and what does it mean? Yeah. So, humanity sins. 
God responds to that sin with love and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately addresses the serpent, tells the serpent that one day there will be an offspring of the woman of Eve, which is crucial to think about Jesus's virgin birth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't say an offspring of Adam, but from the woman specifically. He identifies Eve as the offspring's coming from a woman. Um, so man's not needed, <laughs> which we'll get to, I think, probably in a little bit if, if we get a chance to talk about generational sin. Uh, yeah. Um, and But uh, tells the serpent that there will be an offspring from humanity who will one day crush the head of death, crush the serpent's head while the serpent strikes his heel, which gives us this imagery that there will be someone in human form, right? In human flesh, an offspring of humanity Mm -hmm. that will destroy death while being struck by death. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet that death doesn't seem that striking of death on his heel doesn't seem to kill him. And when we fast forward, to the New Testament, we see G- this is this is Jesus. This is Jesus, yeah. Right, Jesus is the one who destroys death by dying and rising from the grave. Mm-hmm. And so Genesis three, as soon as humanity sins for the very first time, God promises a savior, and that savior is actually Himself, God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating is some theologians believe that the, the that God walking in the garden uh, is the pre-incarnate Christ, which mm-hmm. is super. I think cool to think about yeah, because that would mean that Jesus is giving them a promise of Jesus mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, because like, you know, Christ is not, Jesus is not someone born 2000 years ago. Jesus is eternally God, right? right. He is eternally in the past with mm-hmm. the father in that Trinitarian love, right? He, he has always been. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is working. The son is working throughout history before he, becomes Christ in mm-hmm. flesh, right? Yeah. And so many theologians believe that when you read of God being fleshly in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. that that is the Son pre-incarnate mm. in Christ um, because the Son is the only one we see in the New Testament who is yeah. fleshly, right? right? And so uh, when a lot of theologians will look at Genesis 3 and say that the, that God walking in the garden is pre-incarnate Jesus. Mm. Um, and so when, when God addresses the the sins of humanity, the serpent, Adam mm-hmm. and Eve. He it, this very well could have been that could have been the son promising a son <laughs> who will yeah. destroy death by dying, mm-hmm. and that son is him. Him. He's promising himself. Yeah. And so we don't respond this way to sin. No. We hold grudges. Uh, we we get angry at other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we pass our sin off to other people. Yeah. We we. Mm-hmm excommunicate those people from our lives, right? We start over with other friends. We do a a vast majority of things. Um, But here, what we see God do is humanity sins against God, and God responds with, I will destroy sin and death once and for all. And you fast forward to the New Testament, you see Christ is the one who does that on the cross. Mm, There it is. Yeah. So the gospel, Genesis 3. Right. Yeah. I mean, how beautiful is that? Like in Genesis chapter three, in the midst of the most devastating moment, I mean, this literally brought actual death yeah. to all of humanity. Right. Right. Um, 
in the midst of that, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their shame, in the midst of them playing this blame game, we see God meet them in that and promise his Mm -hmm. redemption Mm -hmm. and his salvation. And he will restore all things. My goodness. If that is not love, (laughs) I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah, right? and, and like we mentioned <laughs> earlier in the, in the last few episodes, is like this is God's plan from the beginning. Right. God wasn't surprised when humanity failed. Right. right. God wasn't like, oh, man, if, if if this was God's number one plan, then He would have wiped away humanity and started over. Hmm. But it wasn't. God's yeah. plan A was not for creation to work. Right. God's plan A was for the cross to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God's not surprised by this. The cross is not plan B to fix plan A. The cross is plans A, plan right. A for God because God is sovereign over mm-hmm. all. God does not have a plan B. He does not need a plan right. B. He is sovereign, yeah. uh, providential over everything. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of playing along with the story, life was characterized in the garden you know we there was life there was blessing there was Mm -hmm. good land to dwell in there was peace and transparency with god he was right there with them right Mm -hmm. the fall happened sin entered death entered and so what do we get we get an exchange in place of life we get death in place Mm -hmm. of blessing we get curse Mm -hmm. um in place of land we get exile right uh if you keep reading in genesis 3 Mm -hmm. you see that they're kicked out of the garden Mm -hmm. right they can't dwell in that land anymore yeah um and that act Mm-hmm. is a gracious act. Yeah. Because why? Tell us why. I'll tell you why. <laughs> because of the other tree in the garden. Yeah. The there there's that other tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of life that they intentionally did not choose, right? Mm-hmm. Those trees are next to each other. Yeah. Right? They they intentionally walk to the tree that is not the tree of life. Mm-hmm. There it's right there. It's called the tree of life. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> just read the label. Like <laughs> It's right there. Yeah. But the but they don't take of that tree. They take of the other tree. And so what God does in his grace and his kindness is he excommunicates them from the garden. Because God knows that if he were if they were to have eaten from the tree of life, they would spend an eternity away from God. Yeah. Because sin is now entered in the world mm-hmm. and they would spend eternity as sinful beings mm-hmm. and God and his love and his kindness will not allow that to right. occur for his people. Yep. And so God banishes them from the garden, not because God's like, you're not good enough to be in the garden. No, like because God is so gracious mm-hmm. and so kind that he will not allow his sinful human beings to eat from the tree of life to try to redeem themselves and just create for themselves a life that is separate from God forever. Right. So God removes them mm-hmm. completely and puts an angel with a flaming sword, <laughs> which is kind of like a baller move. That's kind of cool. Um, puts an angel with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life because he doesn't want any of their offspring yeah. to come back and find that tree mm-hmm. um, and spend eternity in that way. So God's yeah. exile of his people is, is a very gracious thing in Genesis. Right. And as you continue through the book of the Bible, yeah. you'll see several other exiles throughout the Old Testament, especially, yep. and all of those just like the garden is right. a gracious exile, a loving exile, an exile designed to have his people return to him yeah. every single time. Right. And so we see that here in Genesis 3. We'll see it again mm-hmm. all throughout the rest right. of the New Testament. Yeah. Or Old Testament, sorry. So that's a lot of the exchanges that we see happen. There's so many more, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they had peace and now they have hostility. Yeah. Um, and I would say, too, like, you know, that, that there's life now death. And, but one of the things that we need to point out, too, is that they don't die. 
right not right. there in that instance right they don't they don't die in that instance mm-hmm. you know they, they eventually they do die right 900 years later <laughs> dear lord i would uh, i'd be like lord kill me like kill me now at 500 i'd be like <laughs> i'm done <laughs> like 900 years like jeez um, but what we find is um that they don't die in that instant, right? So they eat. The, the promise is you eat of this, you will die. Right. They don't in that instant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet in that instant, a death does occur, right? Yeah. A spiritual death right. occurs. Um, the, the bond between humanity and their God mm-hmm. is now broken. Right. Um, the spirit of God that, that was breathed into them is now removed because mm-hmm. of uh, this death that occurs here so there is a death it's not a physical death per se in the moment but there is a spiritual death that separates god from his people isaiah tells us that Mm -hmm. is our sin that our iniquity that separates us from god and so um that relationship is broken now um we see really we see three relationships get broken because of the fall in humanity. And the first relationship we see is between the relationship between God and his people. Mm-hmm. There's a relationship that's broken there mm-hmm. um, because of the sin in the world. There's a brokenness between people to people. Right. Adam and Eve no longer can trust each other. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not free to be mm-hmm. naked around each other because yeah. there's shame there. There's yeah. a, there was a broken relationship between uh, person to person. And then lastly, there's a broken relationship between humanity and mm-hmm. earth. Um, mm-hmm. The earth now brings up thistles and thorns. Yeah. Um, you have to work. It's not just going to produce crop. Right. You have to, you have the to sweat of your brow, it. you have to yeah. have to work. And so there's now this hostility, if you will, this broken relationship between humanity mm-hmm. and earth. And so th- all three of humanity's relationships get broken because of their sin uh, between God, between each other, and uh, between the earth. And so that's how they, mm-hmm. they leave the garden yeah. um, is in a very, very broken state. But also at the same time, God does something that's really significant before they leave the garden. Mm-hmm. And that is that he clothes right. them. Um, they were already clothed. Mm-hmm. So that's important to know. You know, uh, As soon as they sinned, they realized that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they, they clothed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then God does another gracious act. Not only does he excommunicate them. Well, that's he promises redemption right he excommunicates them so that they won't live forever without him mm-hmm. and then three the, the third gracious act that we see if not more than this but mm-hmm. is the fact that he he clothes them and he clothes them with not fig leaves and poison ivy that'd be terrible uh, <laughs> but uh just imagine um, but he clothes them with with skin right mm-hmm. um which means that in order to clothe someone with skin you have to have skin, right? Right, uh, and so basically, what we what that see what we see here is that humanity sins. God sacrifices an animal mm-hmm. in order to cover humanity their sh- their shame. shame and their sinfulness and their mm-hmm. nakedness. Yeah, um, which tells us one just the from the very beginning the degree of seriousness mm-hmm. that God takes sin. Uh, when we get to Cain and Abel just a chapter or two later, right? Like we're going to see them make sacrifices to the Lord. Why are they making sacrifices to God? We don't see God ever command them to make sacrifices right. to God, but yeah. why do they do that? They do that because they saw God make a sacrifice for them. Mm-hmm. God sacrifices some sort of animal to, to clothe them. And that's mm-hmm. crucial because that sacrifice not only clothes their nakedness, but in a symbolic way, it closes their, sh- clothes their shame and clothes their sin mm-hmm. as well. And then when we look at Jesus, Jesus will be the ultimate clother, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. He will 
die for us um, and cover our shame mm-hmm. by through the, the means of his blood. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about justification, when we put our faith in Jesus, not only is that the removing of our sin, but the bestowing upon righteousness, mm-hmm. right? We receive the righteousness of God. He clothes us with himself. And so mm-hmm. we see that sin is serious and that because of sin, something has to die. And the thing that dies, uh, one, there's the spiritual death, but then the physical thing that dies in the garden is not humanity. Mm-mm. The physical thing that dies in the garden is some other cre- creature yeah. that God uses to clothe mm. humanity's sin. And so in order for sin to be clothed and forgiven or to be washed clean or whatever, um, something will have to die mm-hmm. to to cover that that sin and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see a lot of gospel connections yeah. here in, Gen- in Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. Um through the promise of the son by the son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, through the clothing of humanity by the sacrifice that God yeah. makes. Yeah. Um, and so from there on, mm-hmm. as we move forward through the rest of the book of the Bible, mm-hmm. we're going to see a sinful people, right? right? People are not born inherently good. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, moving forward, they're born sinful. That sinful yeah. trait gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. Yep. Um, it's not I sinned and now therefore I'm a sinner. It's you were born into a sinful world yeah. as a sinner and therefore you sin. Right. Um, it's a part of that original mm-hmm. sin from the garden. And so as we move forward throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we're going to see a lot of sinful people and God needing to redeem sinful people um, because everyone that has been born, except for one, was born into sin. And Jesus being the only one who was not born into sin and because he has a very unique birth. Um, Unique circumstances. Right. Not (laughs) born of a man, but of a woman Mm -hmm. who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Jesus has not received the inheritance of sin. It Mm -hmm. skips him because he has he's not born of man. man. It is sin enters into the world in Genesis three when Adam eats. Right. Not Eve. Right. Eve eats. She eats. She gives to her husband. He eats. Sin. And then, right? Yeah. It is the it is the man's eating and mm-hmm. action that brings about sin, mm-hmm. um, which means that it is through our fathers. You can say that hashtag thanks, Dad. Yeah, that <laughs> sin is progressed from generation to generation to generation, uh, and which means that uh, when you look at Jesus's virgin birth, it's not God wasn't like, "Hey, I'm gonna make my son be born of a virgin." Look at that; that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, no, he was born of a virgin because he was born sinless. sinless. Uh, yeah. not a sinner, mm-hmm. which is crucial because you can't have a redeeming sacrifice in Christ if he's, if there's sin. Yeah. So that wouldn't work very well. So, yeah. So we see a lot of gospel yeah. connections in Genesis three. Right. Um, and then also we see, and we see the inherent nature of sin as we move forward. Yeah. I mean, every human from then on is presented with this question, but they don't even have the opportunity to, to yeah. choose God. Yeah. Right. Adam and Eve had that opportunity. Right. They lost it for all of humanity. Right. And now none of humanity has the opportunity to choose God on their own. Right. It takes a work of God in their heart through the spirit mm-hmm. to e- even a- enable them to choose God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our, our sinful hearts will never on their own accord choose God. It, right. They will always choose sin. They are not designed that way, but they, they are they right. are that way. They are inherently right. that way that we will naturally always choose sin. And if you don't believe in like original sin in that way that it gets passed, but like, just go look at a 
three-year-old, you know, they send, they know how to lie real quick and yeah. I, and no good parent teaches them how, right? right. Where do they learn <laughs> that from? There's this inherent nature right. of, of sin. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We're 24 minutes in. We got to finish the rest of, we have 40, what, 47 chapters left uh, yeah. <laughs> to talk through. Let's do it. Um, so, so to kind of break this up. All right. So yeah. Genesis one through 11 is really like primeval history. You could say, mm-hmm. um, all the way up through Adam and Eve, through, uh, their children, Cain and Abel through Noah, um, through the tower of Babel is mm-hmm. really what we see. And that's where the tower of Babel, um, is where man thinks that they can just like reach God, overthrow him and then be their own gods. Um, but God scatters them confuses their language and whatnot um we can kind of talk through some of this in a second um but then the rest of genesis really focuses in zooms in on one family lineage um which is the family line of abraham Mm -hmm. and so we'll kind of break that up um for the rest of our time and just want to open it up to talk through genesis one through or three through 11 i guess Mm -hmm. four through 11 whatever um is there anything that you would want to make sure to point out with the story of Noah and the flood or Cain and Abel or anything in that range. Yeah. Well, I already mentioned Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they, they sacrifice not because we see a command of God to sacrifice. We won't actually really see a command of God to sacrifice. The first command we see of sacrifice is Abraham. Right. Um, But really the, the institution of sacrifice, sacrificing doesn't really occur until Moses, which Mm -hmm. is, thousand plus years away yeah um actually we get about a thousand years in by the time we get to noah already right so chapter seven of genesis Mm -hmm. we're already a millennia Mm -hmm. into the storyline of scripture um and so um yeah so they they sacrifice not because of a command per se that we see maybe there was which wasn't recorded but because of what they saw god do for them on their behalf in the garden um and then um, we see, you know, Abel presents a, a, a really righteous and good sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's pleasing aroma to God. Mm-hmm. Cain is not so much. He sacrifices the worst of the worst. And then Cain kills his brother Abel, goes on and continues to rebel. And he becomes a, a crazy person, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Adam and Eve have Seth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their third documented son right. in Scripture probably had more my guess they probably had more i would assume so um, i don't know who they're marrying i don't know unless they had more <laughs> which is just weird to think <laughs> about i know but uh <laughs> that's kind of I the point I think. yeah um but uh yeah I, some might say that like god created other human beings after adam and eve to like fill the earth yeah i don't believe that just real quick sidebar yeah. i don't believe that because one we all have are born in like inherently right. sinful which stems from Adam and Eve. So right. if, if God were to create other human yeah. beings outside of Adam and Eve after the fall, mm-hmm. there would be some pretty perfect people walking around earth and I don't really mm. see them. So, uh, yeah, incest, uh, that happens a lot. Um, that's Love that. F- that's fun. Um, so, yeah, so but the, the family grows um, and we get to Noah and God can't find a single person besides Noah and his family that love God. I, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Uh, let me read these verses here. It's Genesis chapter six, verses five and six. 
And it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Yeah. Like Some hard words. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, humanity is doing their duty of filling, multiplying and filling the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that humans increase, the more sin increases. Yeah. Um, and so we see there is nothing yeah. but wickedness. Yeah. So we see that in- inherent sinfulness go crazy. Awry. Yeah. yeah. It's everywhere. And yeah. real quick, one thing that I'll just clarify on the text that you just read is it says that God regretted making humanity. Mm-hmm. So real fast, God does not regret right. in the same way that we regret. Mm-hmm. We regret our actions. God does not regret that. God knew humanity would sin. Right. He knew but Noah Jesus has been the plan. All. There, Jesus was plan A all, right. all from the beginning. What the text I think is trying to show us is that, that the way that God feels and His grieving mm-hmm. reflects the nature of us regretting. Yeah. Not the fact that God regretted in a sense of man, I really wish I wouldn't have made him, mm-hmm. but like. More in a sense of this is that's the feeling that God feels right. in that moment mm-hmm. of grief. It's a regretful grief right. kind of thing. Well, you see the heartbreak of God, yeah. I think, displayed very prominently. Yeah. in that. Yeah, absolutely. He he's heartbroken over yeah. sin. Yeah, and he's uh, not like com- like complacent about it. He's not like not caring about it. Like he genuinely cares for yeah. his people, yeah. and they are wicked. Yeah, continually evil, doing evil all day long. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so he's heartbroken, and so God realizes he needs to act, and the way that God acts is by flooding the earth, but preserving the 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 people who are who are righteous, righteous. in the eyes of the Lord, and righteous not by good but, works, right? Righteous by faith, which is Hebrews eleven. Right. Noah was righteous because of his faith, his faith, not his works, right? Um, and so God rescues them from the midst of that mm-hmm. uh, destruction, um, and so we see in Genesis. Uh, six or seven when the, the flood actually occurs um, that mm-hmm. um, when we see the, the immense power of God, we see mm-hmm. um, the wrath of God literally poured yeah. out um, among humanity. And oftentimes we can think of that. We can think, wow, God's really impatient with people. But one, like I said earlier, it's been a millennia <laughs> Man. since yeah. a thousand years right. of rebellion and sin and, yeah. and getting worse and worse and worse. And not mm-hmm. only that, but when God gives the command for Noah to build the ark, there's probably at least a hundred years that go by or right. something like a significant amount of time. Yeah. A hundred years may be completely wrong. Don't quote me on that, but there's a significant amount of time that goes by. I mean, it's going to take him a while to build yeah. that ark. <laughs> yeah. That goes by in which God is, um, uh, you know, waiting, waiting essentially patiently yeah. for his people to like, yeah, come back to him mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, they don't. And, uh, so uh, eventually, God closes the door of the ark and um, rescues his people. Mm-hmm. And from Noah, we see a kind of a recreation in a sense where God gives the same command that he gave Adam and Eve mm-hmm. to be fruitful, multiply on the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Babel. And then it kind of happens all over again. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then Babel, they, they think we need to get to God. God confuses their language so that mm-hmm. they won't go very far. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of scatters them amongst the earth. Yeah. And then here we find ourselves mm-hmm. where God isolates um yeah on abraham and his family i think it's interesting just the nerd in me needs to point this out but um the tower of babel is in the land of shinar i don't know if that's how you say it i'm gonna say it that way um that place is actually babylon um and so babylon is kind of the model 
nation, you could say, like model wicked nation, um, really throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Um, and so I just think that's interesting that the Tower of Babel is in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Babylon eventually will be where the Israelites are exiled mm-hmm. uh, later on down the line. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Really what we see, we see the, we see the plot begin to thicken. Right? Yeah. So, so God, God creates his people. They sin against God. He promises a savior and they go forward. They're so evil and corrupt that God has to flood the earth yeah. and basically hit a hit reset a little bit on, mm-hmm. on everything. Um, and then they try, they, Try. Hit reset without wiping out humanity, all of humanity right. from the earth, right. which I think is gracious in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, because it's like Noah also was probably deserving of God's wrath. Right. <laughs> right. He, he wasn't perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he got drunk pretty quick when he got off the ark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, um, and then we get to Babel, and, and now you have... Uh, the the aftermath of Babel is a lot of people speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. So God's going to redeem people who are sinful, and now those people don't speak the same language. So mm-hmm. the plot begins to thicken yeah. even more of like, how Lord are you going to redeem this world? Um, yeah, because it's getting it seems to be getting worse and worse right. and worse. Right. Yeah. And then the next chapter, Abraham. Here we are. We hear this guy. His yeah. name's Abram. He's just doing his thing. Yeah. And God comes on the scene and he says, you know, what? I'm going to, one, make you the head of a great nation. And through that nation, I'm going to bless the rest of the world yeah. and send my son who will redeem humanity. Um, he doesn't say that word for word, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> paraphrase. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we, we begin to see the redemption plan start to unfold. Um, right. Not that it wasn't unfolding before, but now we really get to see some major mile markers right. in the unfolding process. Zeroing through the choosing in. of Abraham. Right. And so um, God chooses Abraham. Uh, through the, the the line of Abraham, God will re- redeem his people. God promises that through the family of Abraham, all their families will be blessed. Mm-hmm. Through the nation that God will build up from Abraham, mm-hmm. all other nations will be blessed. God makes a covenant with Abraham. This is a promise. Uh, Abraham becomes, what, 100 years old? He's old. He's very old. Yeah. Sarah is 10 years younger. So she's like 90. He's like 100. Mm -hmm. And um, it's there where she finally gives birth to one son. One. Isaac. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and before we get to Isaac, something that I want to point out about the covenant that God makes with Abraham. Uh Uh-huh because I think this is so fascinating. Um, it actually reflects different covenants that nations would make with each other back yeah. then in the ancient Near East. Um, essentially, what would happen is when when a sovereign state or a more powerful state came together with a weaker state, um, they'd make a covenant, and the sovereign state would basically say, hey, I'm going to give you protection and um, security and whatnot if you obey me and don't make a covenant with anyone else and what they do i I don't know why they did this but it's weird (laughs) they cut animals in half and they laid them and then each party would walk through the animals basically through the middle middle of the cut animals right the cut animals signify uh, symbolize a curse yeah um right and both of them would walk through it It there's a way of saying if i break this covenant do to me what you just did to this animal. exactly yeah right What's so interesting, this is this is how God makes his covenant with right. Abraham. But the interesting thing is Abraham is zonked out asleep during all of this. He doesn't yeah. even like consciously he's a, know he's in a deep sleep. that this is going on. Yeah, so right? Genesis says that he's in a deep sleep. Which is and the, God put him in that deep right, sleep. Right, which is, which is the same uh, sleep that he put Adam, Adam in. Adam in to remove a rib and make Eve. Yeah. So it's an unconscious yeah. state. Like 
Abraham doesn't know what's it's going the, on. It's the kind of sleep you go in for surgery. Yeah. 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 That's the deep sleep. That is what's happening. And so God, wh- what it says is that there was like what a smoking, uh, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch yeah. passed between the pieces right. that signifies God. Mm-hmm. And so what God is saying is that, Hey, I'm initiating this covenant with you. I'm setting it up and I am fully going to be responsible for taking on all of the curse for you right. breaking this covenant. Right. And we see that yeah. on the cross of Christ. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. God <laughs> makes a promise with himself. Yeah. <laughs> but he makes a promise because God's not going to break the, pro- the, no. the covenant. He makes a promise that when people, Abraham's descendants, break the covenant, yeah. God's going to take on that curse. Yeah. And, and, and spare yeah, and them. Does. And he does. Yeah. Yeah. Man. He does. Yeah. That's crazy. No, that's the best part of the Abrahamic covenant. <laughs> that's the part of the Abrahamic covenant that we obviously uh, oftentimes gloss over when we talk about. Yeah, we're like, why is the why is there a flaming pot and I dead know, animals? I know. <laughs> we talk about like God um, making the promise. We talk about the 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 descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. We talk about the vastness of the promise. Yeah, we talk about of all the of promise, the blessings that come the blessing with the promise. Of the promise. And the most beautiful part of the promise. <laughs> Is that it is not Abraham and God walking through the pieces. No. But God alone yeah. walks through the pieces. Yeah. And yeah. man. Yeah. It's beautiful. So we have that, the the establishment of yeah. the covenant in chapter 15. On a, on strong terms. Very strong terms. <laughs> right. Um, Genesis chapter 17, this is kind of the sign of the covenant, is circumcision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we... Abraham and Sarah have their child Isaac mm-hmm. and then we get to chapter 22 and this is really the testing of the covenant mm-hmm. um, when God commands Abraham to sacrifice his only son mm-hmm. yeah yeah God Abraham has one son God mm-hmm. promises him a nation right right um, uh, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky yeah Abraham lives long enough to see one son one right um, and so son Isaac God blesses them with and then God calls Abraham to a mountain that's like what three days away or something something some like journey. that yeah and uh, him and Abraham or sorry Abraham and Isaac go up together mm-hmm. there's no um, sacrifice Mm-mm. which Isaac's like hey dad we like what, what, where's what, like the goat yeah and Abraham's response is of beautiful faith the Lord will provide yeah right and so Abraham well, walks in obedience well and also uh there's a servant there with them or something. Yeah. And, and just a servant. Right. But Abraham says, uh, he says, we will, we will return. Return. Yeah. We. Yeah. He's pretty confident. He's confident. He knows that God's calling him to sacrifice his son. He knew yeah. that before they left. Right. But he's confident that the two of them will return mm-hmm. on the way up. Isaac's like, where's the goat? And dad's like, the God, God will provide. Mm-hmm. Abraham has him tied up. <laughs> Can you imagine being Isaac? No. In this <laughs> Like, what are you saying? Just like, Dad, this is wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then God, you know, tells Abraham to stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because God sees that Abraham is going to go through yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for Abraham, God is his greatest treasure. Yeah. More than the son that God promised. More than the nation that God promised. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And um, and then God tells him to stop, and and then sovereignly provides the actual ram yeah. in the thicket mm-hmm. um, to be the, the, the sacrifice. Yeah. And so, 
um, which is also a foreshadow of Jesus. Oh, right? yeah, all um, foreshadowing. Isaac carries up his own wood. Jesus mm-hmm. carries up his cross to the hill. Yep. They both go up a hill. Um, they're both about to, uh, they're both to be sacrificed. One does not, and one does. Is. Um, and, uh, and it's through Jesus who fulfills mm-hmm. fully right. the Abrahamic covenant that through him, all other nations will be blessed right. through Christ. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Um, so we have that and then we get into the storyline of Isaac. Mm-hmm. Um, he has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob literally, what is that? His name literally means deceiver or something like that. Yeah, something. something like that, which is funny because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he tricks his father into giving him the uh, what is it? The, the blessing. The, the blessing that he that he had planned for Esau. Right, the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he disguises himself as his brother. His brother's a hairy man, mm-hmm. so Jacob puts on fur on his arm so that mm-hmm. he can just de- deceive his father. Receives mm-hmm. the blessing that should be given to Esau. Mm-hmm. So he's not really seen as the best person. But yet, yeah. even in his sinfulness, yeah. God is going to fulfill his promise. Mm-hmm. And because Jacob blessed, um, or sorry, because Isaac blessed Jacob, right. um, God will continue, com- continue the, the promise of going forward. With Jacob. Um, and so eventually Jacob, um, uh, Jacob gets married. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the girl that he wants. Not the girl that he wants. Wants is the sister of the girl that he gets. Right. So he works seven years to get this girl. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get the right girl. Right. Then has to work another seven years to get his girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start having kids. Eventually they'll have 12 yeah. um, well, sons. An, yeah. Uh, amongst others. But amongst 12 others. prominent sons. Uh, and I think it's interesting also. I can't remember when in the story. Maybe after... Jacob is the one who famously wrestled with God, yeah. right? Um, and he gets renamed yeah. to Israel. To Israel, yeah. That's, I mean, that's where we get the yeah. Israelites. Yeah, Jacob's about to go meet with his brother Esau. He's, like, terrified. Yeah. He wrestles with God. It's a really fascinating wrestle. So here's another, like, yeah. when you see God fleshly. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, this is probably the pre-incarnate Christ yeah. here. Um, and so he wrestles with uh, God. And uh, then at the very end of it, God uh, touches his side and like <laughs> makes him go limp yeah and it's just like why didn't you do that <laughs> yeah. from the beginning um, why'd you have to wrestle with him for so long wrestles with him like all night and like then god just like touches his side and homeboy just goes limp yeah. um but god humbles him really in that moment and mm-hmm. gives him a new name um and then he has 12 sons which famously become the 12 tribes of israel yeah um and yeah. uh one of those sons is a son named joseph um, which is his favorite son really the youngest, right? Youngest and and most favored. Yeah. Um, so Joseph receives some favor in light of the other eleven mm-hmm. brothers. The eleven brothers decide we're gonna kill him. They don't kill him. Jealous they, of him. Yeah. They they sell him to the Egyptians. Right. He goes into Egypt. Um, becomes becomes second in command. Really, right hand right to man Pharaoh. to Pharaoh. And then uh, the uh, a famine happens in the land and. Um, the rest of Israel and his family at this point, it's not really even a tribe or a nation. It's still just a family. Mm-hmm. Um, their family is suffering from the famine. And some of the brothers come to Egypt because, uh, Joseph foresaw through visions, actually yeah. the interpretation of visions from Pharaoh, yeah. this famine. So they store up grain for seven years. Yeah. They come hearing that Egypt has grain and he, they meet Joseph who they thought was long dead. Yeah. And, uh, Joseph knows who they are. And then eventually, Joseph brings them and the, and the entire family into mm-hmm. the fold of Egypt. Um, 
mm-hmm. under the under the protection of the Egyptians, and they're able to prosper in there. So we're so so again, the promise of God happening in some amazing ways, right? So there's this massive famine in the land, and God uses something incredibly negative, right? I.e. the the selling of Joseph to slavery mm-hmm. in order to continue the promises that he made to Abraham. Right. He does not allow the the offspring of Abraham to die in the middle of the wilderness without food or water. Mm-hmm. He brings them into uh, a, a, a place of abundance and that place of abundance, the way he brings them into that place is through the means of the other son selling yeah. Joseph. Um, so God takes the very end of Genesis, mm-hmm. uh, Genesis 50, um, uh, it says, Joseph says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. Um, and that's really what God does throughout all the Bible. Yeah. What, I mean, you can apply that verse to everything so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So what we find is the sin in the garden mm-hmm. makes its self-known throughout all of humanity more moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. There's this evil at Noah. Um, there's this doubt in Sarah and Abraham as mm-hmm. to whether or not they're going to have a child. There's this evil at Babel before that. Um, there's this uh, mischievousness inside of uh, Jacob. Yeah. You know, there's the evilness of the, of the 11 brothers to Joseph. There's evil and sin all throughout yeah. all of this, but yet God is still clearly working to bring about yeah. his redemptive plans and purposes that he promised mm-hmm. in Genesis three. And yeah. when he makes that promise to Abraham, even in the midst of dire circumstances, a famine yeah. throughout all the land, a seven year famine mm-hmm. throughout the land, um, he sovereignly, brings them into yeah. the fold of Egypt in order to, yeah. it's uh, gonna see it through. To, to keep them going forward so that they can fulfill the promise that he made to yeah. truly redeem. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's where it ends at. Well, it ends with Joseph's death in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's how they get, that's how the Israelites found themselves in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. They um, were not in Egypt because they sinned and right. God exiled them to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they, Sin, in a weird way, did bring them to Egypt. Yeah. The sin of the brothers to Joseph. Right. But God was not punishing the right. people of Israel to bring them to Egypt. Uh, they no. God, God actually providentially brought them to Egypt to keep them flourishing. Right, yeah. Um, and well, so, and that's what we see as well. Uh, at the very beginning of Exodus, it says that, um, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. So the land was filled with them. And that's in Egypt. Yeah. And um, we see that. Yeah. Yeah. God's hands clearly yeah. upon them. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, moving forward, we'll, yeah, we'll see God rescue them even more. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the rest of what we see in the old Testament over and over and over again is we see humanity's sin, mm-hmm. their faithlessness, God's faithfulness in light right. of it. Um, and it all kind of stems back to one, the promise that God makes in the garden yep. that he will be the ultimate deliverer. Right. And two, the covenant that God makes with Abraham, mm-hmm. um, that he will take upon humanity's sin and, and shame yeah. for himself. Yeah. Um, and so no matter how faithless Israel becomes, which the, by the way, spoilers, they will become incredibly faithless. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God will always yeah. remain faithful in order to fulfill the redeeming promise. Yeah. And so the love and the glory of God is seen mm-hmm. not only right when humanity sins, but as humanity sins over and over and over yeah. again throughout, uh, the rest of the book of Genesis and ultimately the, the rest of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's where we've where we're gonna stop and leave off we leave off um with now this family um of you know the 12 sons or however many really there was they had um in egypt they have multiplied they're multiplying they're becoming a great nation in israel and not israel uh in egypt Mm -hmm. and what we'll see next week is we'll we'll see the the aftermath of that because mm-hmm. um, the next verse is that there was a new pharaoh a new king in egypt who did not j- know joseph yeah and things and fall they, apart yeah and he's threatened by the, their growth and puts them into slavery yeah and they're enslaved for 400 yeah. which years. actually god tells abraham that his people would be enslaved yeah. uh for for 400 years yeah part um, of god's plan so it's all part of god's plan yeah Sometimes it's not like god brought them to egypt and then he's like oh dang there's a new guy in power right he doesn't know the yeah. plan he, he doesn't like me <laughs> yeah no sometimes as devastating as this might sound sometimes god's providential plan for our lives is to put us into uh, devastating circumstances for 400 years yeah and that's the, that's the case for Israel. Yeah. God's providential sovereign plan for them was to be slaves to the Egyptians for mm-hmm. 400 years. Yeah. And the, I think the reason why is because when he redeems them, yeah, it'll be even far sweeter and far, far greater. more glorious. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, that is our walk through Genesis 3 through 50. Um, yeah. Following. A quick. Quick. It was, quick I mean, walk. it was 50 minutes. It was a brisk walk, but it's <laughs> a walk nonetheless. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, pick it up next week when we talk through the story of the Exodus, we'll cover four books. Wow. in one episode next week. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I got the front end of this. <laughs> you only got to talk through one book. One book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about in that book though. So, uh, it was so fun to talk through all of Genesis with you. So thanks for, for being here and kind of just setting up the rest of this season and the rest of the story of the Bible. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>